Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <sighs> How was your evening? It was um. Mm, it was nice. It was nice. It was nice. It was nice. Huh? I said I was repeating that for you. You said it was nice. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Oh my gosh. Okay. Over to um Sam's house yesterday. No, I totally forgot. <laughs> I did. I totally forgot. And we'll make this up. I remembered when we were on church call, and I was like, oh, I could get over there this afternoon. And it totally slipped my mind. And he did oh, have the food ready early, too. Are you serious? Yeah, he sent he sent a picture out because he his plan was to uh, meet on like after a church call, and I think he sent a text out like around one something saying that he was about to get the grill going. So of course, me being the smart behind that I am, I said, "Yeah, boy, time is the meet going on." <laughs> to which, of course, he ignored that. Um, and then I think he sent another text out like around four something saying that uh, that everything was ready and, and even took a picture of the table with everything laid out. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Because I think Morgan's bus left at 8. And I miss Morgan. Darn it. Yeah. Although yeah. I'm not going to talk about her. It's like, okay, you couldn't, you'd be blowing up my phone when you're at school. You come home, you can't call me once. <laughs> So I figured I wasn't going to get a chance to see her, though, um, because, you know, because she was only home for such a short time. Right. So I had already told her I probably wouldn't see because, you know, normally Sam is always so so late with, with his cooking and that, and I was like, you know, well, I'm, you know, I don't have a car this time, so I'm not trying to, to um, be over there and be stuck trying to wait for food, and then it's dark, and, you know, and so on and so forth. So, um so I was so I knew I wasn't I wasn't going to go, but um, I told her I said I'll just see you for Thanksgiving. I said I know I'll see you for the Thanksgiving holiday because you're gonna be over here looking for sweet potato pies. <laughs> so I know I know I'll see her at least once. Right? <laughs> oh, I feel so bad because I did. I wanted to get over there. Um. You know, and see her, and and um, you know, and get a plate. <laughs> okay, <laughs> was just, it just it just totally slipped my mind. And what makes it so bad? I I drove past there. Yeah. 
I did. I drove past there. I mean, um, yeah, I, I went past that way about, I want to say it was about 6 o'clock. I was, I, and I just, it just did not dawn on me. I, I did not remember. So, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, my goodness. I miss so much. I am so glad to be back. I know. Welcome back to the land of communication. I know, man. I I just, I, I, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Got to get back. Got to get back. Because you know what? What I noticed in in that time, when you're isolated, you either go one way or another. And Start saving mad or or solitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and solitude doesn't work. It really doesn't. Um, especially when you go into your own little headspace. So it's it's good to be able to communicate with people. Yeah, I mean it's only it only works comfortably when it's your choice. Right. And even then, when it's your choice, you have to you have to always be careful where your mindset is on why you're going into your moment of solitude. Like, are you going because you need time to reflect, you know, and make some changes, or are you going to are you going into a mode of self pity? You know, or or what's going on? Because I mean, solitude goes into so many different directions. You know, and um, you have to you have to be aware of the reason behind it. And I and I'm saying that because I've done I've done solitude on on you know several different ways. You know what I mean? And I know that that you can go and you can slide from one to the other real easy as well. So it can go be like, oh, I just need time to reflect on my life, you know, and figure out what, you know, what my next step is. And then you go from there to just discouragement because you're not as far as you want to be and blah, blah, blah. And it just, it's, it just can snowball. So, Yeah. <laughs> Like I um, mm, hold on. Like I tell Lisa, it's okay to to throw a pity party every now and then. You just don't want to make it a gala event. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I want us to go out there. Um, um, did you want to try to go out there this week? Um, or next week. I'm trying. I might know better after I talk to Sam because the electrician is going to be working over here, and he starts early in the okay. day. And so, um, I mean, you know, like I like Chuck and everything, but I know he's going to be starting in in my unit, and I just, you know, I I, I be having a problem with the with the guys around my stuff, and I'm not here. Um, 
and I don't know. It's possible he's going to start this week. I don't know. Okay. Um, so I will have to, you know, hopefully I'll see Sam later on today and, and maybe he's talked to Chuck and have a better idea of when he's going to uh, get started. That's, I mean, just, just let me know because I know we had talked about going out there and I just wanted to, um, to, to touch base with you about that. You know, before the weather changes and everything, and right, you right, know, and um, and we lose, you know, and I forget, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, that's that's the only reason I brought that up. And I and, and yesterday's service was really good about faith. But yep. You know, faith is very important. Trusting in God is very important. You know, and I just, I was like, that that was really head-on needed, you know, um, because a lot of people are not working on faith anymore. They're trusting in themselves, you know, and, and not trusting in God. You know, and I was like, I was reflecting on what Sam had said. It's like, you, it's hard. It's hard trusting in something that's not there that you can't see tangibly. That's that's the biggest act of faith because you are you are your faith, and I think that's why there's so many atheists and people that are. Um, that don't understand why we believe what we believe because you can't see God physically, you know, and it's it's all about faith and trusting that what you what you know in your own spirit and what you know as you do this walk that He is He is. I you think know. you're giving them too much credit. Um, huh? I think you're giving them too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and for some of them, you know, I'm quite sure that, you know, that that is the case. Um, but I think that's too deep for a lot of them. Um, I, I really don't think that they, you know what? I think atheism, atheism is almost like it's a, <clears throat> like it's a fad, you know, um, that's, that's kind of popular at the moment and because it's extreme, mm. you know. Um, like, oh my God, you don't believe in God, you know, um, and, and it, it sort of like makes them stand out and, and so on and so forth. Now, some are, I mean, are true. They're diehard, you know, they're like Cub fans, you know, um, you, you can't shake their belief in their non-belief. Right. You know, and then, and then you have the others that are the, the, the fair weather believers, um, who, you know, it's 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 just this is this is like the thing to you know to not believe or what have you. But I think that there's a a contingent who, um, because of all of the like hypocrisy in the church, yeah, that they you know that they get turned off. And um, I have a I have a friend who who is a, a AME pastor, 
and I, I saw her this weekend, and, and I love her to death. I do. But um, she can be so opinionated and judgmental, and I don't think she realizes that she's being that way, and I'm trying not to go there, um, you know, because she really, you know, she – I don't think she so much has a problem like with our prayer call, but she definitely has a problem like with our church call. You know, uh, she doesn't consider that to be real church. And you know, she's like, you know, my problem with it is that there's, you know, that there's not a, a ordained pastor on there. But it's like, but you don't know that because you've never, you know, like, listen. I mean, I know Sam leads the call and everything, but it's like you don't know who else is on the call. Right. You know? And the thing is that. What's supposed to be important is that you're developing a relationship with God. And if you're getting that from this call and you're not getting it from the church, you know, from the building that you attend, um, then why why would you put that down? Right. You know, you know and I mean, I've, and I've heard her, um, you know, give a sermon and everything, and, and, she, and she's good. Um, because what happened right now, she's at a church. She has uh, she has a church in, in Indiana, but it's a an opening in Chicago because she's been trying to get back in Chicago. And there's an opening in Chicago, and so she's considering, um, you know, talking to the to the bishop and and the local elder and that to see if you know if she could be appointed to that church. And, um, you know, she's like, and then, you know, and then I'll have, like, uh, you know, I can bring the family over. They can have, we can have a new family church and, you know, a friend. And then she tells me, she's like, and then you can go to a real church. And it's like, and that kind of, like, ticks me off, you know. And, um, and I'm like, I have responsibilities where I am. You know, it's like, don't make it seem like, I mean, because there was a time, like, before the church call got going. Um, and I know she was talking about, like, starting up a church of her own. And at that mm-hmm. point in time, um, you know, I would have, uh, you know, like gone with her and, and um, you know, been a part of her church and that. But it's like things change. And um, because even though she does give a good sermon, it, it's, still, it, it's still not the same as, as our prayer calls and our church calls, right. you know. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the biggest differences in, in what we do as opposed to what's done in the church is because you can have that, that interchange, you know, um, you know, because we, well, we know our prayer call is different. That, that goes without saying, and, and not even talking about the length of it, but, <clears throat> you know, the few prayer call, other prayer calls that I've, I've called into, um, you know, you have a couple of people that are, you know, that are saying prayers and that, and and then a lot of times then they get off the phone. You know, there's not really any, there's no interaction. There's yeah. no discussion. You know, um, and so, you know, I'm not saying that you can't learn that way, but I just, you know, I think that our way um, allows for for some for some actual learning. Because people can ask questions, um, they can make comments, and um, and be redirected if if their if their thinking is perhaps off the mark, so to say, so to speak. Right, right. 
Right. And it's done without judgment. It makes the learning <laughs> makes learning about God easier too. And that's mm-hmm. what I was trying to tell my sister because she said the same thing. She was like, Well, you need to, you know, she was like, You need to find a church and I'm like, But I do have a you know, I do right. have a church, but I'm in church every day, you know, when I'm on the call, this you know, and so she's like, No, she's like, I mean being around she's at being physically around people. And I'm just like I don't see the difference. I mean, yes, you need to be you need to have that physical interaction with people, but when it comes to actually going to learn about God, this works like you said, this works better for me because of the interaction. Because at the end of the day, you know, when you're in a physical church house, you know, rarely does the conversation go around what the pastor spoke on. Mm-hmm. You know, rarely does it go around even the subject matter. Like, you know, nothing that he said is really discussed. It's always about, you know, what what sister such and such did and, you know, and, you know, this is what I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't, at the end of the day, after service is over, like, like you said, service is over. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But here it is. It's it's kind of like, okay, so I, this is what I got out of it. What did you get out of it, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, and then it broadens and it deepens, you know, the, the understanding. Because it's like, I didn't even see it that way. Huh. Right. Let me go right. back and think about that. You know. So, yeah. And, and you can talk about it. You know, um, and so, you know, and you can talk about your your experience, you know, and not so much on the on the church call because we are trying to, you know, keep it within two hours or, you know, or, or close to not trying to make that all day. But like, you know, like with the prayer call and that, I mean, it's so much it's almost like like prayer calls too small of a title for it, you know, because it's so much it's so much more in depth than that, um, yeah. you know, but. You know, like when when he's doing the reading, you know, and because even in, in in Bible study, you know, that is almost like like a church service just um, concentrated. You know, um, you still have the person that's you know that's reading out out the Bible and and interpreting in that, and you get a little more discussion, but it it's, it just doesn't get to be as deep as ours is, and then you have to deal with people's um like personal feelings in, in a in a um not their personal feelings they're um how how easily some people get offended because you know some people if you are disagreeing with what they say they take it personally mhm you know and so and heaven forbid it's the person that's leading the bible study <laughs> you know, because they're looking at it like you know you know I'm the one leading the almost like the teacher you know I'm the teacher, how you gonna tell me I'm wrong? Yeah. So Don't do it. If you can't have, you know, if you can't have that honest um, exchange, and then you know, and then when you think about the stuff that we share on this prayer call, you know, you, you, there's no way that happens in church. No. 
you know, not on a grand scale. I mean, if you're if you're close to your pastor, you know, you might meet with with him or her, um, you know, and and talk about some things or whatever. But um, I still don't think it goes to the extent that that we go sometimes on our call. No, no. And I'm, you know, and the thing is, I'm learning that even, you know, I've taken it from here to my church a couple of times, like making sure that, you know, I'm transparent, mm-hmm. you know, because that's that's at the end of the day, you know, you gotta you gotta pull from what you know, and you have to be willing to share it to get people to understand how you know what you know sometimes. You know, the word of God is, is is just you know, it comes alive but when you when you when you show how you applied it, you know, no matter what age and no matter how it was applied to your life, it's like when you share your life, it helps. But if you don't have that, you know, like here it's comfortable, it's easy to do it because, like you said, there's no judging. It's just like, okay, we're sharing. But when you do it in a grander scale in a church house, they are, they are it's like a program. They're programmed to, to, to look at you a certain way. Like everybody else came out sinless, you know, Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Excuse me, don't do that, you know. But, um, yeah, it's it's a learning process. And I still, I still thank God every day for this, this, this ministry. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it is, I mean, you know, it is definitely, um, Definitely helping, and you know, I mean, and it's small right now, you know. But you know, when you think about it, I think that's because um, people are being developed. Yeah. Because you know, if if it had, you know, if it had like grown by leaps and bounds, you know, there's no way that Sam could do it like by himself. You right. know, he can't do it totally by himself now. You know. Um, but people are being um, prepared, you know, and that's that's mentioned a lot in in different prayers, and that that people are being prepared for for things yet to come. And I think a lot of times we'd be assuming that that's in our personal life or in our work life, but not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I know he mentioned again, I know he was the last time I was on the call, he mentioned again, yeah, waiting for Erica to 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 do a Sunday. And I'm like, as you said, it mentioned my name. Like, yeah, waiting for Erica to do a Sunday. I'm like, oh, yeah, he did. He, he was serious about that. Oh, without a doubt. He was serious about that. Without a doubt. I mean, and, and, and I mean, and that is, uh, I mean, you know, that that's growth, um, and and a, and a leader is supposed to be encouraging other leaders, right? You know, it's just like when you know when you're when you're in management, you know, you shouldn't get caught up in the fact that you're a manager, 
you know, um, you know, and I tell you what to do and you do it and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. You should be encouraging other people to develop their skills so that, you know, management can be an option for them as well. Right. Right. That's how you know a good leader because they, they are developing leaders. Mm-hmm. And I just look at somebody to follow them. That's why it's so easy to to get on the call, you know, and and listen to what Sam has to say, you know, because he's not caught up in titles or his position. He's just like I'm here, as you know, as God has told me to do, I'm doing it. And you know, and basically that's it. That's all. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a, it's a, I, I love that. I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay, it's been a minute since I've been on, and so um, missed a lot. It's only been a week, but it feels like much longer. <laughs> it does. It feels like much longer, but anyway. Um, let us get started. Would you mind praying for us to get started? Okay. <clears throat> Father, all the praise and all the glory goes to you forever and ever. I thank you, Father, for this day and for allowing us to be able to enjoy it. Father, I thank you for this call, for all that take the time to call in this morning. I pray, Father, that as we call in today for fellowship and for learning and sharing of your word, that something is heard on this call that will help each and every one of us in our daily walk with you, Father. Father, I pray that we are continuing to be a blessing for others whether we realize it or not, it really is the little things that that, um, that that make a difference. And we never know how something so simple can, um, can touch, can touch someone, can make their day. Just acknowledging someone's presence sometimes can, can make the difference between them having a terrible day and a great day. And so, Father, I just pray that we're, we're saying hello to strangers, that we're, we're holding a door, that we're, you know, helping someone with a bag. If someone drops something, we, we help them to pick it up. It, it's, it's just a, it's a little thing. It doesn't take much time, but it can mean so much. Father, I pray that we are remembering to be grateful and to say thank you to you for the little things that we have in our life, the things that we, we tend to take for granted including like our senses and our ability to walk. We don't even think about these things. We just do them. And, Father, we can do them because you allow us to do so. And, Father, I just say thank you in mass and pray that everyone is taking the time, if it's once a day, once a week, just to remember to thank you for all these little things. We may not be where we want to be, but there is definitely someone who would love to have what we have right now. And so we just thank you, Father, for who we are and who we are going to be. 
Father, we thank you for your unconditional love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And I know you Amen. weren't um weren't on the call uh the calls most of this week, but there was a story that I that I had shared. Um that I and I don't know, you may have it's been on the news and then I, I don't know if you saw my post on the on the internet about it. Um and I titled it Being a Blessing because there was a little boy who had asked his mom, you know, if she would make him two lunches every day. And, you know, so when she inquired as to why, you know, he wanted, you know, why he was always asking for an extra lunch, he said that there was a little boy at school who ate alone and all he had was a fruit cup. And so he wanted to, you know, to to bring him lunch. And so when his mother looked into it further, the um, the little boy's mother was a single mom, and I think she had lost her job, but for whatever reason, she got behind in paying for his lunches. And so he wasn't able to, to, uh, to eat lunch at school. And, you know, all she could give him was, you know, was like the fruit cup. So the mothers in the school took up a collection, and they paid all the back um the back payment so that all the kids in the school could have lunch. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I read I I saw the post. I didn't read the whole I did not read the whole article though. I kinda skimmed it. And I thought that and a lot of kids are stepping up like that. I think that is awesome. Yeah. I and then awesome. other gentleman who he saw that story so he contacted his alma mater, and he did the same thing for the kids at, at, at his alma mater. You know, he paid up all the back accounts so that all the kids would be able to, you know, to have lunch. And, you know, it's just really so um, – because there was a cafeteria worker who got fired because um, the way it's set up is that, you know, if the kid's account is behind, if they don't have the money, you can't serve them. And – her thing was, there's no way I'm about to tell a child they can't have lunch. Right. So she would pay for it out of her pocket, and she got fired for that. Really? Yes. Wow. I'm like, are you kidding me? That, I mean, that is like, that is like so ridiculous. Mm. So ridiculous. You know, so it's more important that a child goes hungry then, you know, I mean, and it's not like she was giving the food away for free. Right. You know, she was paying for it. So if that's what she wants to do with her money, she's more than welcome to do so. Instead of firing her, why don't you pitch in and contribute? Because it's all about proving a point. You know, that's and, nice. I, and I was telling my sister, I said, you know, this whole experience, you know, of being unemployed. It it's really opened my eyes to a lot of things, you know. And um and it's it's 'cause the what they ask for what they ask for when you're asking for assistance and everything. Mhm. It's 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 utterly ridiculous. It's demeaning. It's utterly ridiculous. I was just like I said, um, I went to this um, 
because that went to try to get assistance with my um, utility bill. And um, she asked me for proof of income. And I told her, I said, I don't have proof of income. I don't have any income coming in at this time. I was denied unemployment. And, you know, I said, I'm repealing it now, but I have no income coming in. I mean, like, I can show you my bank statement. I have nothing in the bank. I have no other sources. So what do you want me to prove to you that I have no income? And she kind of looked at me. She said, she didn't even know. I mean, you could tell by the look on her face, like, she didn't even know how to answer that question. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, I said, I don't know what else to tell you. I have no income coming in, you know. And so she was like, well, uh, hmm. That's all she said. And she's like, well, give me what you have, and we'll see what they say. And I'm like, okay. You know, it was, like, really weird. It was really weird. Like, they want you to do these things that are impossible, you know, and then they blame you. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? And so, um, like, even when they asked what I was to unemployment, you know, and and it, it is it is strange. It's like before, like years ago, if you got fired, regardless what it was for, if you were fired, that's what the employment insurance is for. If you get fired, you get X amount of dollars until you can find new employment, unless you got fired because you were stealing. Mm-hmm. You know, you were supposed to be able to get unemployment, and so. Um, when I filed for unemployment, they said the only way you would get unemployment now, unless, you know, at this point, is if you were fired because of downsizing or because the company went out of business or layoff. But if you were, if you were fired for anything else, and that's basically your fault. So therefore, you don't get unemployment. That's a bunch of hooey. Y'all was taking it out of my check. Exactly, exactly. But it's that's what they had written down there. And I'm like, wait a minute. So basically, you're taking the side of the employer instead of the employee. So regardless of the fact that, you know, it wasn't, you know. It was unavoidable. It didn't matter. It's like they, it doesn't matter the reason why they fired you, even if it was because of, you know, the manager didn't like you. It's 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 still considered your fault based on how they word your unemployment your 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 termination papers. So then you have no recourse other than to sue. Pretty much. Pretty much. And so well, I thought well, that well, was really... Well, but, I said, you don't think, but that takes time. Of course. 
and money. So of course, if you don't have if you don't have the money, or you know, if you don't have the money for it, then of course you can't do it. Well, you don't have to pay the EEOC, but it does take time. Because my friend got fired when she had breast cancer, and um, when she was going for her radiation, she she worked from home. And during that time, they they fired her. And so she filed a claim with the EEOC. And, I mean, it took, I think it took over a year, but she did get a settlement. And you shouldn't even have to go through all that. That's the no, bad you really part. shouldn't. You really shouldn't. Um, but but see, companies know that most people aren't going to you know to do that. You know, most people can't afford to hire an attorney. Um, and you know, and then with the EEOC because it does take a long time. You know, and and a lot of people don't even think about that. You know, but um, but I can tell you that, that companies do get scared of the EEOC when you mention it because it, when they're in the wrong. If they know that they're in the wrong, they don't want to hear EEOC um, cool. because, you know, because they know that's not going to work in their favor. Because I have played that card before when they tried to cheat me on my vacation. And all I said was, you know, well, according to the EEOC, you know, because I was leaving the company and we were talking about my end date and I was like, you know, uh, will my last check include my vacation time that I've accrued? And I was told that I didn't get paid for that. And I said, well, according to the EEOC, I am supposed to get paid for that. And so then, you know, my manager was trying to play it off. So he was like, you know, well, well, do you have the number, you know, that you call? I'm thinking like, I know darn well you know the number to the EEOC, but you call yourself calling my bluff. Not a problem. I said, you know what, I don't know about her. And I said, but I have it at my desk. Hold on, I'll get it for you. <laughs> and you know, and I was just thinking, okay, by now, you know, because him and I, we had been, you know, like a, a, around and around on several occasions about several different things, and he should have known there's no way that I was going to say that and not be prepared for some shenanigans. But I was like, oh, okay, no problem. It's at my desk. Let me go get it for you, and brought it right back because you know that was before you know everybody had the internet. Uh, at the job where you could look it up or whatever, like no, because and I and I had I had called and and made sure and had them send me the form just in case they still tried to cheat me out my money. I was oh I was ready, <laughs> I was ready. I was like y'all don't y'all, you should know by now I ain't playing with y'all because this was the same job you know my first day there. No, actually this is the same job that in my second interview I got an attitude with them. In the interview, I got an attitude. So mm-hmm. it's like, y'all, y'all should know I don't play. <laughs> I, did, I, I was professional about it, but, yeah, I got an attitude. And he knew that I, was, um, that I was upset because on my very first day, he took me out to lunch to apologize. Wow. And I, I think that's part of why I got the job. Because they, they, they did a credit check, and, you know, companies, are, they're not supposed to run a credit check without your permission. And a lot of people know that. And what they do is they, uh, well, what they do now is when you sign your name, that that small print that's at the bottom under your name, right, mm-hmm. where you sign, and it it will tell you that the that the employer um, has, you know, I forget how they put it, that they can that they will run 
that they will do a background check, which may include um, a credit, credit check and you know, in a um, you know, and criminal background check. So what I do, I sign my name, but above my signature, I write in. I do not give my permission for a credit check. I don't put it at the very bottom because see that could be cut off, and then they can say we didn't see that. Right. So I put it above my signature. So in order for them to get rid of it, they got to take the signature too. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, because his rationale was, you know, well, if you, you know, well, if you can't pay your bills, how do we know that, that you're going to, you know, that you'll pay ours? Because I'll be getting paid to pay yours. Like, duh. Right. Right. You know, that that that's what the job is. <laughs> if I don't do the job, I get fired. So I don't understand what the problem is. You know. But my thing was, there's no way I'm about to sit here and go through, you know, what's going on with me personally, and it, you know, try and explain, you know, this, that, or the other. That is none of your business. What I do with my money is none of your business. That's the bottom line. Exactly. And I, and as long I, as I do well with your money for you, that's it. Okay, and if I got, you know, whatever is going on in my life that, you know, I'm not paying bills, whether I'm just being trifling or whether, you know, I just got too much financially on my plate, it still does not concern you. As long as I get my butt up every day and come to work and do my job and I'm professional and not causing any problems, what I do on my time is just truly none of your business, and I don't need you judging me. Right. Because that's what that boils down to. In a nutshell, in a nutshell. So, and you know they've gotten even crazier with it now, you know, like with the social media and so on and so forth. And no, I'm not giving you access to my Facebook account. I'm not going to be your Facebook friend and, and, and none of that. What I talk to my friends about is my business. But the thing is, though, um, when it comes to social media, because it's on the Internet, they have, they already have the bigger companies, not so much as the smaller companies, but the bigger companies, they actually have um, people in employ that know how to go into your account regardless of, um, regardless of any security, you know, in quotes that you have on your social media site. Mm-hmm. Like you have privacy block or whatever, they have people that know how to go around those blocks so that they're able to look and see what you have on your account. I know I had read, I had read about that a couple of years ago where, excuse me, they have people that, you know, that'll go in and supposedly just, you know, make sure that what you post you know that your posts are are reflective of what you put on your application. You know, like if you put on your application, you were this way. They just want to make sure that this is what's showing on your post. But the thing is, you know, now everything is about judging. Mm-hmm. So you know they're taking it a step further, and it's just like hey, like you said, what I do outside of the business, as long as I don't put you as my employer, like even when I when I open up my Facebook account, 
I made sure not to put who I was employed by. It was nobody's business who my, you know, mm-hmm. you know. And when they, I, I had looked one time and I saw that they had um, Facebook had automatically updated my employer, and I'm like, I know I didn't put it in there, so mm-hmm. I deleted it again. You know, I'm like, it doesn't. It's nobody's business who I'm employed by because this is my personal account and this is how I feel. So, you know, if you pull up my name, all you have is my name. You don't know who I'm affiliated with, you know. But, yeah, they have gotten to the point now where, you know, it's it, the word, ju- the, the phrase, don't judge me, is, is becoming like uh, uh, a mantra to people, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's really it's funny to me because now the judging is for it co- it goes against your own opinion is judged, whereas before it was like if that's your opinion that's fine, but now your opinion is judged and it's like your opinion doesn't line up with everybody else's. So. Exactly, because you figure just like with the, with this election, you know, if the person you're interviewing with supports Trump, okay, you ain't gonna see anything on my page supporting Trump. <laughs> you know, so therefore you don't hire me because you know I don't think it. Actually, if that's the case, you you'll be doing me a favor. But um, you know, I look at Facebook as it's your phone calls in writing. And I wouldn't give you permission to bug my phone. Right. You know, and so, and in all honesty, the stuff that's on my, that's on my resume, I don't even talk about that on, on Facebook. You know, I don't, you know, um, I hardly ever talk about accounting, <laughs> you know, on Facebook. You know, right. Right. Talk about you know has nothing to do with the job, and I know people who use their who use the the company's computers to be on Facebook. Um, oh, they really have no privacy because you you basically giving your employee permission right there. Right. You use their Wi-Fi. Yeah, you, you're basically letting them know you can look as much as you want. Okay. And you giving them access to your password because you typing your password in. Exactly. You know, exactly. so I won't even put my my uh, my cell phone number on my on my Facebook account um, because, like you said, with with um, with Facebook, like automatically um, updating. Because the other thing that they do when you do searches and stuff on your on your computer, say you know you go to Walmart and you want to see if they if they sell you know like billiard tables, you know, and then next time you log on to Facebook, you got these advertisements either for Walmart or for billiard tables on the side. You know? Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, that is like really, really creepy. And... <laughs> yes. Huh? I was, I laughed. I said, yes, it is creepy. It is and creepy. And like what I used to do on my other, on my other laptop that had uh, Windows 7, when I would go into Internet Explorer... I would, um, if I was like searching stuff or whatever, I would turn the cookies off so that, um, so that they couldn't see what it was that I was like searching, 
And then, you know, like a, well, if you're going to order something, you got to turn the cookies on. But just to just to be looking around, because I'm like, dang, you know, I might want to look at something adult only. Everybody don't need to know that. Right. You know, so it's like, you know, it, it really does have an effect on um, – on how I, you know, like use my my laptop now, and with the um and like with the uh the Windows 10, which I really do not like. You know, they want you to log in even to play solitaire. They want you to log in to to you know to play solitaire. I always play as a guest because it's like it's a freaking card game. Give me a break. But it's like everything is about tracking what you do. Exactly. You know, and so I'm just thinking if I put my my mobile number on there, that they'll be extracting information from my phone. And I'm sure somewhere in the fine print it probably says that they they can do that, but people don't read all that. No. And that's that's the thing. And I I was telling my sister the other day, I said people, you know, we also talked about that constantly, like, we don't understand, especially as, as um, you know, not just regular people, but people of God, we need to be very aware. And it's not even about being scared, but being aware of the traps that there's that the devil put before us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the phone, the cell phone is a good source of communication. But at the end of the day, a lot of the um, the applications that they put in the phone, the ones that you can't take out, they let you know from the door that we follow where you go. We take your information wherever you what, what your searches go through, who you talk to. We we take we take consideration of your contacts, your messages, all of that. So it's it's just like. There's no more. There's no such thing as privacy. No, it's, it's, and that's it's, why I don't have a lot of apps on my phone because I turn the location is turned off on my phone. You know, people yeah. don't need to know where I am every second of the day or, or whatever the case may be. And a lot of apps, you can't even though the app is free, you can't um, you can't install it unless you give them access to your location. Right. You know, and so I'm like, well, then I don't need you. Right. Or it says that they need to be able to use Wi-Fi, which, again, is where they're able to look. It's just it's just so much. It's just so much. You know, and it falls in line with, um, we got off, um, it falls in line with what we were, we've been learning, you know, not just, you know, going through, the Bible, but even with spirit, soul, and body, it, it's the world or the Antichrist trying to be like Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, like he knows where we are at all times, and he knows, you know, what we're going through and everything like that. He knows that on, on a, such a deeper level, like God knows our, our very thought process, you know, he knows it's down to the minutest level, like the hair on your head. You know, he knows all of that. And here's the Antichrist trying to do the same thing. But the thing is, he can only guess the motives of your heart based on psychoanalysis and, and assumptions. Whereas mm-hmm. God knows us to the core. 
you know, he looks at our heart. But the Antichrist can only look at what we put down on paper and what we look at on the Internet and make assumptions. I'm not going to say that some of the assumptions aren't correct, but he he still doesn't know the heart of the person. Right. So he can only he can only measure it based on the corruption of his heart and his motives. So, you know, you go to a particular site to look at something and so he now he wants to put it on your you know, on your um you know, on your social media line, you know, and and thinking that this is what you want to see, when in actuality you were just probably doing different research or whatever. It was just whatever. But God would be like, okay, no, you don't need to get that. You don't need to look at that or whatever. So it's like he, the Antichrist trying to play God, mm-hmm. but still falling short. Still okay. falling short. This last thing, and then, and then you know, I guess we can get to the prayer call, but I mean to the Bible study, but I found this interesting. I had posted this on my page as well. There's somewhere in in Europe, I don't know, it's some overseas, I don't know if it's Australia, it's some country that is already starting um, widespread, inserting the chip. Australia. And they're doing it um, in people's hands. And it's somebody like it's you know it's like no larger than a grain of rice, and then what it what it does is it has like your entire, you know, almost like your entire life in this chip. So when you go shopping, you don't even need like credit card, okay? You just like wave your hand across the the, the machine or whatever, you know. And they're you know they're trying to to pub it up as though this is like such like a great thing you know you don't have to carry a purse anymore or a wallet and da 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 and I'm thinking like you people are crazy as yeah okay there's no way I'm not there's no way I'd be voluntarily getting that no way y'all had to knock me out when I woke up it was already done because I'm not I'm not. There's just there's just no way I am not volunteering for that. I I think about that movie with um with uh with Will Smith where they had like erased uh, I can't think of the name of it but um it's like they had like erased him you know um as far as like like he like he didn't exist no credit cards no birth certificate I mean you know literally like he was you know a non entity they erased his entire life. And I cannot think of the, of the name of it. Um, I mean, it was a good movie, and I could only watch it once because it was scary. That Those mm-hmm. type of movies scare me. The blood movies don't scare me. They're stupid. But these type of movies um, scare me because that's where we're headed. Yeah. Like with, with Sandra, it sounded like the, the same movie with Sandra Bullock. And they they erased her identity, switched her identity with somebody else. And they had her on the run through the whole movie. And it was all about her, you know, about, you know, Big Brother, you know. And people, you know, people tend to think that, you know, um, this kind of conversation, oh, it's not going to happen. But unfortunately, it is. It's, 
it's it's a slower process here, but because there are so many people who are speaking against it, so they have to start off slow here than they do anywhere else. But yeah, it's it's ugh, it's coming, it's coming, and that's. Mm-hmm. I was talking about doing. I said we just got to be prepared. You know, we got to be able to. We have to be able to. You know, that's why it's that's that, and I believe that's why. Ouch! Sorry, and I believe that's why God has um, Sam stay on the spirit, soul, and body so much because mm-hmm. we got to get that. We have to get it where we have to be so in tune to the Holy Spirit that he's able to direct us and lead us safely. But if we're not if we're not uh, lined up with the word of God and with the Holy Spirit, we will be deceived. And we cannot speak. We'll we don't have the time or the um we don't have the time to get to get um to be deceived and delayed, you know, and thrown off by what we're seeing, you know, we really don't. And it's so easy to do because you look around and it's like everything is trying to be so convenient and, you know, and just, you know, we you, you know, people trying to keep up with the times and it's not even necessary. You know, some things are just unnecessary, very unnecessary. Yep. You know, and I think that, you know, like those of us that are that are going through extreme hard times um, is, is preparing us for the, the changes as well, you know. I mean, because the, the, the luxuries in life are, are nice, and I ain't going to lie, I do like my nice things. Um, but, you know, you also have to know that you can survive without that stuff. Yes. You know, and, um, you know, because, you know, going ahead, because there there will be repercussions for those that don't fall in line. You know, and so you don't know where you'll end up living. Um. Or you know what type of income that you'll make, or you know, or whatever the case may be. And so, being able to um, to to strengthen your faith and to know that that God will take care of you. You know, we're, we're learning it now, so that down the road, that will be like second nature to us. We won't even, you know, just like you know, like when Sam's truck goes out on him, you know, he don't even, like, curse about it anymore. You know, it's like, okay, I know this is the enemy coming at me, okay, you know, and just and just keeps it moving. It doesn't even ruffle his feathers. Right. right. And, that's, and that's how, you know, how we have to get as well with whatever the, the you know, the little things that, that come mm-hmm. at us. Um, you know, that the enemy uses against us to try and get us off our mark. Exactly. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, um, 
It's all about what God are you serving? Mm-hmm. It's all about what God are you serving? Because the thing is, he says you, he, he tells us that you can't serve both God. You can't serve two God. If you're going to serve, like, he, like you mentioned yesterday, you're either going to serve one or the other. Mm-hmm. The God of your spirit, which is the most high God, Yahweh, however you want to, what is it, the creator, or you're going to serve the God of your flesh. And there's many gods of your flesh. You know, little g, God of your flesh. You know, so it's like, and that goes into, that, that goes directly into the Bible study because, you know, everything that, you know, as we were going through the plagues that um, God did through Moses, it was all about the God, little g, that the Egyptians, you know, worshipped. And it's just like, if if we don't get it, that it's the little gods don't have any power. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they might, they have power. They only have as much power over us as we let them have. Right. And if we say, Amen. If, we, if, we, if we acknowledge that the Most High God is the only God, the only God that we will serve wholeheartedly, that all the little gods that are around here have no control. And that covers the money, your job, you know, everything. I mean, you just, they have no control of you. Mm-hmm. Once you know that God is the only one in control, the most high God is the only one in control, the only one that you should bow your knee to, then all these other little gods will be insignificant. And you can put them in their rightful place, which is under your feet. And say, you don't have any power over me. You know? And like I was, I was talking about, I was telling um, my daughter's friend, I said, I had to choose. Now, you know, I could have retained my employment, but I had to choose between the God of a job or my family. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what they were telling me I had to choose between either be there, you know, for the job or figure out what to do with my family. And and even though I was letting them know that I had no options available to me because the world said I made too much money, even though I didn't, I wasn't bringing home all that so-called money, but... Mm-hmm. Because the world decided I was making too much money to give assistance, I was only working with what I had. And so, therefore, I was unable to do what you're asking me to do. And they were like, well, you can, you, you either do one or the other. And I said, family will always come first. Right. You know, and when I said that, 
right after I said that, the enemy, and I know I knew it was, you know, I, I have to say it was the enemy because that's when everything started really, like, cranking up in my life. Mm-hmm. When I told them family will always come first, I said, you do what you have to do. I do what I have to do, but family will always come first. And it was like one thing after another started happening. And I had to prove to myself and to them that family will always come first. Mm -hmm. You know? And so because God put family first. Everything else, everything else is insignificant when it comes to those kind of choices. So that being said, um, we left off at chapter 12. Um, I just wanted to say good morning to everybody. I felt like a creeper. Hey, good morning, Miss Lisa. Good morning. I was trying to keep my comments to myself on what you were saying. I didn't want to interrupt the flow. <laughs> no, go ahead. But no, I, I was just listening to what probably for about the last maybe 10 minutes or so because I'm in the car. I had to go to the store. And um, <clears throat> I was listening to what you were saying about your job and how you told them that family comes first, and then all of those things started to happen. And I was going to say that, you know, you you do whatever you speak from your lips, God is going to call you out on that. If you say that that's the case, you know, when I say you, I mean we, any of us. If we say that that's the case, he's going to test us on it. He's going to take us to task to see, and that's the thing about the fruit of our lips. Once we say it, and we declare it, then it, then it is going to be tested. It's going to be tested on both sides. It's going to be tested by, you know, by the enemies, and God will test us on it. And that's why when we say things in, in any arena, we definitely have to be prepared to walk in that because um, because it is it is going to be it is going to be tested. It is going to be tested. Um, the fruit of our lips, and he's very serious about that because that which we speak into the universe is what will be made manifest. You know, and and you know, and it and it 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 really um, is a very serious situation. Um, it is a very serious situation, so it doesn't surprise me when I hear you say that those things, you know, started to happen when you said that. Um, I'm finding that, you know, even with the business, my saying, you know what, I want to, you know, I'm just going to go back to being my own boss and I'm going to go back to this and that and stuff. And, um, you know, I'm being taken to task on all of that. I'm sure I had some other stuff to say, but I don't know. I forgot. Sorry. No, that was, and that's, and that's, and that's true because what you just said clicked with me because right after I said it, I knew 
even though I didn't speak it out my mouth, I'm like, that's going to come back. And sure enough, it did. And sure enough, it did. And like, like I said, that's when everything started happening, like one thing after another after another. It was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can go back and say it was because I stated it right. that it came to pass. Right. You know, and I'm like, I can't be mad because I was, I was, I was serious about that thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And sometimes we just don't realize what we are asking for or what we are declaring. It's like we do in theory, <laughs> but then. When, when, because what happens is we say a thing, right? And, and in our heads, we kind of know what that means. But when it starts to play out, that's something altogether different because we forget about all the stuff that goes along with it, too. Right. You know, there are things that accompany that stuff. You know. So. You know, like, oh, I want to, you know, I'm on my own business. I'm going to do this. Okay, well, that's cool. But with that, with that comes some sacrifices. With that is going to come some lean and bean time. You know what I call the lean and bean time? With that, you know, with that is going to come some other stuff. And so he'll give us the, our, the desires of our hearts. But he also, with that, you know, has to allow us to accept the, the other um, the other residual effects of that as well. You know, what I call the, the, the logical consequences, you know, of those things also. And that's the part sometimes that we don't want. We don't want the logical consequences that come with certain things. You know, but unfortunately, he can't halfway do it. You got to take the whole kit and caboodle. Right. Got to take the the good with the bad. Right. But you know what, though? The thing is, at the end of the day, a lot of times what we speak out of our mouth is what he needs to have spoken anyway. Mm. Because what 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 the word of God says, out of out of our mouths the spirit speaks. So it's like what was already needed to be what was needed to be said was spoken. You know, it's not it's not happenstance that you are where you are. It's not happenstance I am where I am. It's not happenstance that we are, where, you know, whoever is where they are, especially those who are saying that they are, you know, um, children of the Most High God. You are where you are because that's where God needs you to be. So whatever was spoken, it might have been thrown out there, you know, without thought, but it's like there was a point to it because, you know, you you know, like either they say if you're drunk, whatever, whatever you say when you're drunk, 
is how you actually felt. So at that particular, when you speak, when I spoke that, you know, I meant that. And I always, I've always, I've never said it out loud. I've always said it in my head, like family comes first. But that particular day, I said family will always come first. My family will always come first, regardless of, you know. And so for me to actually speak that out my mouth, it was already there. It was just never spoken. And so once we speak it out our mouth, that's when he creates the atmosphere around the fruit of our lips. Because as long as we keep it inside, he can't do anything with it. But once it's spoken, because it says he even spoke, he could have thought it, but he spoke it. Other than that, it wouldn't have been in the word. So once we speak it, it's out in the open for him to create upon it. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. That says a lot right there. So we have to really be careful what we say, you know, check your heart, check your heart, guard. That's why he tells us to guard our hearts. That's why he tells us to guard our hearts because we don't want to speak out of anger. We don't want to speak out of rage or revenge against anybody. Huh? I said emotionalism. Yes. That emotionalism would jack you up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the the thing about wanting your own business and, and things like that, those are things that have been within us. You know, that we have thought over, over, and over, and over again, you know, but it was just that one moment that our spirit finally rose up and came out of our mouth. And God is just like, finally, I can start working on it and putting them where they need to be and maneuvering them where they need to be. Finally, you know, it was it's out in the open and it's spoken out so I can create it the way I wanted to create it. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, though. You're right that that can work both ways. I didn't even, I wasn't thinking about it that way. That that same concept can work both ways, you know, um, for our good as well. Yeah. That it will it, that those the things that we speak out of our mouth can hinder us, but it can also empower us as well, and create room for Him to make certain things manifest in our lives. Think about the daily affirmation, right? 
So true. Mm. So true. So true. Mm -hmm. Mm. Wow. That makes us even have to go a little bit deeper and say that we have to really guard what we put in front of our eyes. Oh, God. You know, because when you, you really think about it, the desires of your heart, you know, you start looking at stuff and you start desiring stuff, it, it, it will have you speaking things out that you really don't really want or need. Like, even now, like, my son, I love him dearly, but everything he sees, he wants. Uh, everything he sees, he wants to be, and it's just like, that's wonderful, but that's, that's you can't have that. You don't need that. Why do you want that? You know, and if you can't answer uh, the reason why you need or want it, then why are you saying you need or want it? But once you say it, and if that is the case, what you say God creates on, then you have to answer for that. And you and I don't know is not an answer. Well, why didn't you say you wanted it if you didn't know what it was? I don't know. Mm. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Oh, but you know we we do that too. We tend to do that too. So you know, as adults, we do that same stuff. You know, with people, I want him, but see, then it becomes a him, or or a car, or you know, something like that. I want that. Ooh, that's a, ooh. I want that. Ooh, that's on sale. I'm sorry. That's on the bargain rack. <laughs> and it's the same principle, you know. Like when you're shopping, you know, and you're about to buy something, what is this for? Do I need it or do I want it? Right. You know. And then, even if you're buying it because you want it, are you going to use? How are you going to use it? Right. You know, because if you already have 15 pairs of black pumps, okay. Do you really need another pair? No, you don't need it. You want another pair. These are cute. They're on sale, blah, blah, blah. But you already got 15 pairs. Yeah. Right. Get off me. Get off me, Pam. Get off <laughs> my foot. <laughs> you know, and, and, but, you know, I mean, but it's, once you get into that habit, though, it, it becomes second nature. Mm. And, you know, and I'm not saying it becomes easy, but it just, you know, you get to a point where you find that you don't miss having all that extra stuff. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, if you got, you know, three or four pair of black pumps, you know, we women, let's, let's be honest, um, we don't say that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and that's fine. But do we really need 15 pairs? You know, and if you, yeah, and if you don't even 
uh, dress up a lot. I mean, you know, like if you if you have a job where you need to dress professionally, okay, um, you might you know you know you might bump that up to six or seven pair. But I mean, if you only wear your your pumps, you know, maybe once a month, maybe then do you really need 15 pairs? Because for the most part, they're just sitting there collecting dust. Uh, you know, and so, and if you think about the money that you spent on those shoes, okay, that's money that could have went in your savings account. That's money that could have went to pay down a credit card. You know, and, you know, I know it, it seems like it take you know, it takes the fun out of things or whatever, but, you know, it's a matter of like of like redirecting because then when we get in um, financial trouble, we we lose our job or um, you know or a situation arises, we don't have anything to fall back on because those fifteen pair of pumps are not going to pay a bill. Uh oh, you know. Um, then you're trying to you know like to sell them on eBay or you know or whatever the case may be, and you're probably not going to get what you paid for them. You know, and so, you know, just like we're trying to, to grow uh, spiritually, we have to grow in other aspects of our lives as well. And um, there's nothing wrong with, with going shopping. There's nothing wrong with, with buying yourself, you know, nice things. But just, you know, be, be smart about it and, and have your priorities in order. Mm. Ain't right. It just ain't right. <laughs> I promise you it's not. Huh? I said I promise you it's not. I just wanted to live my life. <laughs> I understand. Trust me, I understand. And I, and I do speak from experience on this. Thank you. Can I have a, oh, no, I get a bag from here? Do I get a bag from up here? Uh-huh. And there's, can I have some grape jelly and butter, please? Grape jelly and butter. Sorry, y'all, I had to get my grip. Is there butter in here, sweetie? Uh, butter. Butter. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that would be Thank you. Yeah, butter. Y'all know I haven't eaten in over a week. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm serious, man. My mouth is just healing to a point where I can, um, I'm going to try to eat. I don't know if I really can, but it's, it's going down today. But I'm about to put myself on mute. But I I don't know. I, I just think a lot about um the things that we speak and how we approach things and um it's just a lot that I have to say about that. I'm not gonna say it right now. I'll put it in the video or something. <laughs>
explains, um, you know, we see how um, up until Egypt, time really wasn't recorded as days or months. It was always the 30th day of the, you know, of, you know, it was always, it was always just in this, you know, there was no specific, I hate that word, there was no specific or exact timing. It just gave a general description of when it happened in the 41st year of Moses' life or Abraham's life or whatever. It didn't give you a specific uh, time period to look at. And so as we go on to chapter 12 of of Exodus, um, we see that the time is broken down for us to know where and when everything is happening. So we can refer back to um, events and things of that nature. So um, let's go to, excuse me, let's go to um, chapter 12 of Exodus. And um, we're just going to be working on chapter 12 today because it's so long and there's so much that needs to be said about it. Okay, and so it says, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Now, this is when he started talking about months. The Lord said months. So this is this is the first month should be unto you the first of months. So this is when God God initiated months, not man. And so again, man took what God created and did their own thing. God initiated months, and He initiated when the month started. And so he did that in the time that he was bringing them out of Egypt. So before this, they were just going by days. They had specific days, you know, based on the birth of the Pharaoh or based on whatever the significance of whoever was born at the time or whoever reigned. They were going by that as their way of recording time and, you know, and what's, you know, what the season was and things like that. But God said, this is going to be the month, you know, this will be the month, the beginning of the month of when you, you know, the recording of of, of month. 
which I thought was real interesting because God was just like, I want y'all to be able to um, record things correctly. Oh, I can't see. Lord. All right. Okay. So he said, again, he said, in verse 2, this month shall be unto you the beginning of month. It should be the first month of the year to you. The first month of the year to you. And the note of the Bible that I'm in, it says, this um, month was called by its um Canaanite name, Abib, meaning ear, or Nissan. Um, it goes, Nissan is between the month of March and April. So the beginning of months starts in March. That's why their New Year's is in March and ours is in January. How that happened, I don't know. Okay. And it says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month. And so now he this is and this is the thing. God established this. Okay, thank you, Lord. He established the months so that the whatever he spoke on after this day, the 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 feasts and everything were given certain days and times to be done for them to remember and reflect on. Okay, and so for us to say that certain feasts and stuff are not needed, we have to remember why they were doing them. We have to remember why they were doing them because some of the stuff is is, is needful even now. And um, we'll be speaking on that. It says, speaking to the congregation of Israel, saying, in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor take unto his house, take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. Okay, 
the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. The unleavened bread symbolizes their haste in leaving Egypt. And the bitter herbs is to remind the people of their past sins and or their oppression in Egypt. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden out, sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remain of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus you sh- you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Okay, so I want to stop right there. And what God gave me for this is... um, we spoke on Egypt before. It was say we were saying how Egypt is 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 our sins coming out of our sins, and how Pharaoh is the strong man, and how he doesn't want to let us go, and um, God was showing us that even here, He gave us a way out. He gave us a way out of certain death through the Passover of the Lamb, which is basically just a foreshadow of what Christ was going to do 2,000 years later for us. And the thing is, he was very particular. And a lot of people are saying, well, you know, what it says, you know, don't, um, what is it that it says in one of Paul's letters, he said, don't, you know, don't judge people on the days of the feast days and things like that. But this Passover feast, is very important even for us today as Christians because we have to sometimes go back and remember what God has brought us out from. And so every year, sorry, every year people, uh, the, the Jewish people, the people of the book, or however you want to put it, 
they do the Passover religiously. They do the Passover every year, and they to remember about, you know, the exodus from Egypt. But how much more so should we as believers do the Passover? Because it was by the blood of Jesus that um, we are forgiven for all the sins that we have done. It's because of the blood that he shed for us on Calvary that we're able to even pray to God. You know, do you remember, and I think because we don't do a Passover, that we don't understand that we need to go back and remember so we don't get so high and mighty when somebody else comes in that we forget all the crap that we did before we got saved. And I think if we did the Passover every year, we would understand that we are not above everybody else just because we're saved. And this is basically what the Passover does. It helps us remember what God brought us out of. How many times do we look back and remember what he's brought us out of? Unless we're going through something, you know, and then it might come to our remembrance. But if times are good for a long period of time, we tend to forget all the bad stuff that we did. But God God instituted the Passover and said, I need you to remember what I bought you out of. I need you to remember all the little G-O-Ds, all the little gods I had to destroy to bring you out of your sin, nature. Everything that you held in high esteem, I had to break it down and off of you to bring you out of it. And I need you to go back once a year at this time of year and remember that and how you had to always, you had to be prepared to run when I said it's time to go, that you will be ready for that day and that time when it was time to go. But because, you know, the one man decided that, okay, you don't have to worry about the the days and the times because of salvation, you know, we just stopped. But God never said it, and Christ never said it. So for us to go by this one man who said, you don't have to worry about it, goes against what Christ and God said. So we've been out of order for a long time because God wanted us to remember not to condemn us, but so we will remember what we what he had to do for us and what we had to go through to get out of our sin because it wasn't an overnight thing. It wasn't an overnight thing. He had to kill a lot of things and show himself strong over every little G-O-D that was that was in the lives of not just the Egyptians, but the Israelites too, 
because they had to be reminded who the Most High God was. Because this, they have been, they have been held in captivity. You know, they were in captivity for so long, but now they had to be reminded. This is not these little GODs that you've been, you know, under for all these years. They ain't got nothing on me. I am the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Jacob. I promised them I would bring you out of Egypt and back to the land of promise. And I've got to remind you of who I am. Any questions or comments before we go further? No, so far I'm good. Okay. Okay. Um, Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So even now, even now, in the midst of all that is going on in the world, we have to remember that the blood of Yeshua is stronger than because he's the lamb. He was the ultimate lamb, the ultimate sacrifice. He's more powerful than what they did on the first Passover. He's the ultimate Passover. So we, we, we do communion. Communion was actually done on the day of Passover, when the first communion, when Christ did the communion, when Christ did the communion before he was crucified, that was on the day of Passover. And so those days that were recorded in the Bible has significance, but they're they're overshadowed and they're not connected. And therefore, they, they, they don't resonate the way they should. But when he did the communion and said, take this blood, this, you know, take this cup, this is my blood, take this bread, this is my body, he was doing, he was doing the same Passover that they initiated here, that God initiated with the uh, Israelites coming out of Egypt. So when we do the communion, that is our that is our Passover. That is us saying, you know, and as many times he said, as many times as we do the communion, we're reminding ourselves of what his sacrifice actually meant. It meant so much more than just salvation. It meant so much more than that, but. We only hinge it on the salvation, and that would be next month. That would be next Monday's Bible study. But it meant so much more than just salvation. And so, when we do communion, we have to remember to thank Him, Lord. Thank you for the sins that that you covered. 
in my life. Thank you for breaking off those strongholds that I was letting, you know, have over me in my life. Thank you for watching over me as I was doing all that messed up stuff in my life before I let you have full reign over me. Thank you. Because I could have been dead. I could have got shot up. I could have died of cancer. I could have did this. I could have did that. But because of you and your blood that is over the doorpost of my heart, my spirit, soul, and body, that's so important, the spirit, soul, and body, because that's, those three things are what connects us to God and to this earth. So we have to watch over the doorposts of all of that, spirit, soul, and body. That's why it's so important. Thank you, Lord, for that revelation. Okay. <clears throat> and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. By an ordinance forever. Forever means forever. There's no, there, he never said that it will be where you no longer have to hold this Passover. And never said to stop the Passover. He said forever, forever. And it's not just for Israel. It's for whoever, it's for whoever is the people of God, his people, not just Israelites, but his people should hold, are supposed to hold the Passover forever. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eat leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, your soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there should be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day, there should be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. Okay, so just a side note. The Feast of Unleavened Bread began on the evening of Passover and lasted for seven days. On the first day, homes were to be completely cleared of leaven, which uh, is a symbol of the yeast, which is, is a, the yeast, is a symbol of corruption and evil. And the Holy Convocation was to be called. So we concluded with another complication. So they were supposed to come together and 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 bless, you know, basically come together and say, okay, we're se- basically a separation from evil, the the evil that which was of God and that which is not of God being separated. 
everything after the Passover, everything after they came out of Egypt, God was using as a symbol of us to be separate. We have to separate ourselves from that which he does not like. We have to separate ourselves from sin. We have to separate ourselves from pride. We have to separate ourselves, and we have to walk according to what God, how God wants us to walk. And there's a certain way he wants his people to walk that shows us different from everybody else, which makes us a peculiar people. We stand out for a reason, not because not because we want to stand out, but because what we stand for, who we stand for, and who we represent is totally different than the norm. So that's why we will be considered peculiar, especially in this day and time, you know, to want to walk in honesty and integrity is lost a lot of times in the days that we live in in because everybody thinks you, you're lying. Everybody thinks, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to get over on them. So if you're a woman or a man of God and you're trying to walk in the ways that he puts in front of you because the steps of a good man are ordered, then you're going to look kind of crazy because they're looking for you to walk in pride. But when you come in humbleness, even in in, space, in in the face of someone trying to tear you down, someone lying on you, but you come and you're like, you know what? The best I can say is I didn't do it. And you come honestly and boldly and with respect without all of the drama, you know, you're looking peculiar. They're not, nobody understands that. But that's how God wants us to be. And it's hard. We all know it's hard because, you know, you want to come at them the way they come at you, but, okay. Okay, thank you, Lord. Um, verse 17, and you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I bought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your house. For whosoever eat that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened, and all your habitations shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out 
and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take the bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. So the hyssop is a is um it was it was used in purifying. And so in that they used the they used the purif- the purifying of the hyssop plant. And they dipped it in the blood. So it was, they put that, they used that to sprinkle the, to wipe the blood on the post and over the door, over the, and on the top of the door. So God was very specific in how to do it. He, he, God was very detailed. So it's like, you couldn't just say, well, I'm going to use my hand. No, he said, use the hyssop and and strike the doorpost and the side. And then he said, don't come out your house at all until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, so that means you couldn't even be lazy. Because my thing is, he's he was very specific. So just think, and that's and that's a scary thing. But just think, if you decided, you know what, I'm only gonna. Well, why would I need to do the top of it? I could just do the sides, and that's that's fine. Well, no, he said do the two sides and the cross, the part that goes across at the top. So he was looking not only for the blood, he was looking for obedience. So again, another another way of saying obedience is better than the sacrifice of the lamb. He was looking for the obedience. Other than that, he would not have been so specific in what he was looking for. So he would even know if they used his or not. That shows you how awesome God is. He was just like, I'm I'm looking for everything. I'm looking for obedience at the door. I'm looking for obedience. Did you use hyssop? Did you use the firstborn? So if you just use any kind of lamb and not the firstborn, then you were still out of order. There was no obedience. So then even then, God would know. Even with the Israelites who was being obedient, so not only were the Egyptians killed, you don't we don't know how many Israelites were died, how many how many because you know you know been disobedient, how many didn't use hyssop, how many didn't do the firstborn lamb, 
How many didn't strike both the sides and the top of their doorway? Because that's how specific God was. He was looking for all of those details to be addressed for him to go over and not smite the firstborn. Verse 25, I'm sorry, verse 23. Um, okay, and the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto you, your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. Again, that word, forever. And it shall come to pass when you become to the land which the Lord will give you according as he has promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your your children shall say unto you, what mean you by this service? Excuse me. That you shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed their head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So did they. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne until the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And the Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was Not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, get you forth from, from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Okay. Verse 37, 
Now, this is Israel. They journeyed to Mount Sinai. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramathes on Sukkot. This is about um, 600,000 on foot that were men. And this is beside children and women. So about 2 million is is the... um, about two million people total went up out of Egypt. That's just a, a estimate. That's including the women, the children, and everything. And a mixed multitude went up also with them. And this, and this is the mixed multitude is other people that decided to follow the Israelites. So it wasn't just Israelites that went. It was also, um, you know, other other um, people that decided to follow them based on the strength of what God showed them. And they baked 11 bread, verse 39, and they baked 11 bread. 11 cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. There was a note here that says, um, the total of the, the 430 years may be the total number of years spent in bondage in Egypt. But the thing is, um, in Genesis 15 and 13, um, God had said that they were going to that the Israel the the people of Israel the um the people that God had promised Abraham would be in bondage four hundred years, and so you know that was basically about how long they were in Egypt four hundred years under bondage, and it took the extra time because of all that Moses had gone through, you know. Running after he killed the the um, killed the Egyptians, all of that that extra time was added, and so you know that that shows us what happens when delay. You know when we step out of order of what God wants us to do. So they were they were in bondage over four hundred years. Okay, um, verse 40. Now, the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the self-same day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. 
It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generation. And so even here, it's like, you know, we need to take note of, you know, unfortunately, I couldn't tell you the actual date. Yes, I I couldn't tell you the actual date, but I can give you a reference point of when I remember when God brought me out of my sin. And so I need to remember that. I need to recall that. And it's like, you know, you, you, you know, some people say, well, I know exactly what day I got saved. That's the day that you're supposed to celebrate. That's the day you're supposed to recall and and do your Passover and do your communion. Either one, you know, to celebrate and give honor unto God and say, this is the day that that death angel came and you know, and I was brought out of Egypt. I was brought out and saved from death. Because when the death angel came, somebody died on that day. But it wasn't me, praise God, because he came and he, you know, and I put the and I covered myself under the blood of of Yeshua, under the blood of Jesus, and my door was no longer open or available for the death angel or destroyer to come around. When he came to me, he saw me, and knew that I was no longer available for him to kill me in that way. Okay. Are there any questions or comments right there? Nope, not for me. Okay. All right, verse um, 43. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. But every man's servant that is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth out of the flesh abroad out of the house. Neither shall ye break a bone thereof. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and let and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. And so what the Lord is saying is what is where basically where we are now. I'm going to finish this the last couple of verses, and then we're going to end it right there. Um, and in verse 39, he says, One law shall be to him that is homeborn, 
and unto the stranger that soldiers among you. Thus did all of the children, as the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass the selfsame day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. And so, thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Um, and so the Passover, the Passover being what it was, was an ordinance forever. It wasn't just for the one day. And it, it went from Passover to the communion because Christ did the communion on the Passover. So us as as Christians, us as believers, if we if we celebrate communion, we're doing the Passover. And we're honoring God because basically in the nutshell it's spiritually and physically honoring God and thanking him for the sacrifice, thanking him for saving and keeping and showing him that we hold ourselves separate from the world, that we are no longer, we're no longer under the world and sin, we're under him and his covering. And here's the thing, here's the catcher. He said in his word that the last the last um the last part is that those who come and soldier with you shall do the self same thing, separate themselves. But we have not been honoring that because unfortunately the church has decided to let the world come in and we have become the world instead of the world becoming the church. God told us right there in Genesis, in Exodus, when once you come out of sin, once you come out of the world, you walk the walk of God. You walk his you walk his ordinances and what he says even he says to do. And so those who want to walk with you, those who want to be blessed by God through you have to start walking as you do, not the other way around. But because we have come so far and we, you know, everything is about grace and everything is about, you know, the love of God. And I'm not saying that there's no grace. And I'm not saying that there's no love, but God gave a, a way and a and the standard that we have torn down, and and in one one because of one man, and said we no longer need to do it this way. We have to accommodate everybody and make everybody feel comfortable and welcomed. But God said no if. They want to walk with you. Then this is what they need to do. They need to do as you do because you do as I've instructed you to do. And therefore, if they want to be walking with you, then they have to change their ways. And that's how 
and, and take it even further. That's how the United States was at one point, where if you came over and you lived among us, then you were supposed to be as we were. You had to go by the laws that we have placed. You're supposed to walk as we walked and did as we did. But now we have come to the point where now we are becoming what everybody else was trying to become, was trying to get away from. I mean, the standard that the United States was living under is no more because now they have decided that we will change, excuse me, we will change our ways to accommodate instead of you are coming to our country, you have to adjust yourself to live in our country and by our ways. But God had already stated, and that's the thing, a, a house divided will fall. A house divided will fall. So we are no longer a house because we are divided between those who believe in God and those who don't believe in God, the most high God. And it started way back here in Exodus, way back here in Exodus. And it's, and it's, it's sad to say, but unfortunately, we brought it on ourselves. But we as believers, we have to go back to that old landmark. And this is the beginning of the landmark, the Passover. We have to remember that God has initiated that for a reason. We have to remember what he has brought us out of so we don't go back. And then he'll strengthen us to continue forward in this walk. And that is the end of our Bible study. Are there any questions or comments? No, but it was a good study as usual. Okay. All right. Well, praise God. <sighs> okay. Um, I'm going to pray over the list and everything, and then we'll open the um, for a prayer request. All right. Um, so, Father, I come right now, and I just first want to thank you for your word, because your word is true, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword that's cutting asunder the spirit from the flesh and helping us to draw closer to you and have a better understanding of what we're supposed to be doing in our relationship in you and through you. Obedience to you is better than sacrifice because you have set, you set before us steps that you want us to take. And it's in our obedience to follow those steps that we receive the blessing. We receive the protection and we receive the good of the land. And so, Lord, we come asking for forgiveness 
in anything that we have been disobedient in. We ask for forgiveness in that following all the steps that you have given us. Help us, give us the strength, the wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and discernment to follow your steps, oh God, because you give us these steps for a reason, and it's to make sure that we are listening and obeying. And so, Lord, where we miss it, help us to see it so we don't have we don't get so far off course. Lord, help us catch it before we get so far ahead that we have to go all the way around the block just to do it all over again and do it the right way. Lord, I come for each of the lists that we pray for on a daily basis. Um, all of Sam's lists from his individuals, um, individual people, uh, down to the spiritual knowledge, the spiritual aspects of this, oh God, and our main list of, of the prayer shifting ministries and of the ministers and congregations, nation and international, um, the sick and shut in and the unsaved and the abused and addicted and those who are in prison. Lord, we just come for all of those our family, our friends, and our seven degrees of separation. Father, because where two or three are gathered, you are in the midst, and you hear the you hear the praise and the prayers of those who are trying to walk right in your ways. And, Lord, we, we ask not of ourselves, but for them on the list, for them to have peace for them to receive your joy, for them to have your patience, O oh Lord, in the midst of every trial that they're dealing with at this point. If it's financial, if it's health, if it's relational, Lord, whatever it is, let them have the patience to deal. Give them the humbleness. Increase them the humbleness inside of them that they need to be able to, to, to wait on you to wait on the answer to get through because sometimes it's delayed because of the principalities and the powers that's in and over their areas. Oh God, and their angel has to deal and, and war with those powers, oh God. So we're praying for those angels, oh God, that you give them strength that they need and the power and authority in, that you have invested in us. And we bind the strong men and the powers, oh God, so that our prayers will get through. That the angel give him strength, oh God, give the angels that have our answers strength and the power that they need to get through. from the east and the west and the north and the south, O oh God, as the gates open and close, O oh Lord, we are speaking that this, the winds of blessings, O oh God, as the angels bring those blessings for us, O oh Lord, that as they come through the atmosphere, that they 
punch a hole through any trap or snare that the principalities and powers and, and the rulers of this world try to put up. Lord, let them be able to go through each, every defense and offense that they can bring up upon them so that we receive our answers, oh God. And in the midst of it, let our hearts be made soft towards you. Let our patience be increased. Let us wait and wait and wait, even if it might take us more than uh, no matter how long it takes taking the time limit off of you, oh God, because you said in your word that your word would not return unto you void. So if we have a part of your word within us and you have our you've heard our prayers, oh God, it's just in us waiting for you waiting for those answers to be made manifest because of the fight that's in the in the heavenly realms of God that we cannot see. And so Lord, we're waiting. We're waiting. Help us so our hearts don't be troubled. Help us so that we don't get weary in well doing as we wait, O oh Lord. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you that you will continue to walk before us and show us, help us to hear your voice as you whisper into our spirit, O oh Lord, because you will not rage against our flesh, but you will speak to our spirits and help us hear you, help us hear you, help us hear you. as only you can. Help us to learn to quiet our flesh. Help us to learn to quiet our thoughts so that we can hear you clear. And surround sound HD, oh God, however it needs to be heard. And we just thank you, O oh Lord, for the blessing and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the healings that will go forward. We thank you for the deliverances that will go forward. We thank you for the salvation and those who will get saved that will go forward, oh God. And we speak a, and we speak a Holy Ghost fire against every principality of power and ruler of the dark world that you have given us authority over that they shall not the gates of hell shall not prevail. And we shall see victory before our eyes as long as we keep our eyes upon the hills which come with our help. And Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, you are strength and our redeemer. And we say amen. Amen. Um, we come for the youth. We come for foundations for advancement. We come for new legacy. We come for um, Plan Academy, and we come for the teachers and the and the educators that are above those and others that are unnamed. We come for all the teachers that have um, access to the youth as well as the youth. And Lord, we pray for them right now because it's the teachers, especially those teachers who believe in you, O oh God, who are standing in the gap between the unrighteousness of this world 
and the mind and learning of the children, O oh God. Watch over and keep each establishment, each teacher. Lord, continue to give them the strength that they need in character and spirit, soul, and body to go before these kids each and every day. Because it's not about the money, Lord. It's not about the money from the public school system to these um, these private schools, oh God. It's not about the money. But it's about the passion and the heart that you have given each and every one to stand and stand there for in the midst of what the world is trying to do to our kids. So, Lord, strengthen them, spirit, soul, and body to continue to stand, to continue to pray, to continue to teach, to continue to love and have the passion that they have for these children. They might not be able to pray for them right in front of their face, but as they go through their day, Lord, help them to say those silent prayers over the children. Open their eyes to see that one child that might need a little bit more attention. Help them to be able to see that one child that might need a little more help. Help them to be able to see and act accordingly, oh God and keep their prayers open to all who come into their realm, oh God. We speak a hedge of protection, excuse me, a hedge of protection around each and every teacher and all the youth, oh God. Let this day be a day of peace in their spirit, soul, and body, not having to deal with bullies, not having to deal with anger at home or violence or anything. We're just learning today open their minds up so that they can retain what they learn, open their spirit up so that they can feel the love of the teacher and the love of you, oh God, and just cover them under your protection as only you can, keeping them from the traps and snares of the enemy. In the name of you, shall we pray, amen. Are there any requests for the prayer? Uh, you can pray for me. All right. Father, we come for Pam. Lord, we thank you for this woman of God and all that she does on a daily basis. Lord, we ask that you just continue to watch over her and keep her as only you see what she has to deal with, oh God. Only you see her feelings and her heart, oh God. Answer her unspoken prayers, oh Lord. Answer the desire of her heart that lines up with your word, Father. Keep her, oh Lord. As only you can. Keep her, oh Lord, as only you can. Watch over her heart, her spirit, soul, and body. 
so that her so that she cannot be troubled, so she won't be troubled. So we just thank you in advance for all that you will do for her and all that you have done to help her be available to you as you show her how and where you like her to be and where you like her to go. For her good and for your glory. In the name of your show, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, is anybody else who like prayer? Okay. All right. Um, we pray for Sam, and then we will end the call today. Uh, so, Lord, we pray for Sam right now. The um, the head mediator the leader of Prayer Shifting Ministries, teacher, minister. We thank you for his obedience and creating this call, Father. We thank you for being able to have this venue to come into your presence on a daily basis to give honor and glory to your name. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will watch over him and keep him today as he goes about his day doing all that he needs to do. Lord, he gives out so much of himself. And so we ask that you would give it back to him a hundredfold plus ten. Watch over his seven degrees of separation, his family, and his friends, keeping them from all hurt, harm, and danger seen and unseen, we speak that no weapon formed against him shall prosper. No weapon of sickness, illness, disease, infection, plague, or allergy from bacteria, viruses, chemical, fungal, man-made, bug bites, or parasites, nothing that he eats, drinks, or breathes shall cause him mental or physical harm. A thousand shall fall at his side and ten thousand at his right hand, but none shall come near where he dwells his body, house, where he drives. Keep him on every hand, oh God. We ask, we speak of reinforcing of the hedge of protection around him and his armor, oh God. We ask that you will make any and all repairs that are needed as he continues to battle on, not just for himself, but when he goes into war for us as he prays for each and one, each and every one of us on a daily basis. Because, God, we know that takes us, even though he's using, he's going through your spirit, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heaviness that comes upon him as well. And so, Lord, we just ask that you replenish, rejuvenate, and revive him as only you can for his good, but for your glory as you continue to use him as you see fit. Bless his hands so all that he needs to be done today is only is done correctly and does not need to be repeated. Increase his finances, correct his health and his family's health as you see fit where there is needed. 
In the name of your show, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Um, if, ma'am, if you could pray us out, we will end the call. Okay. Father, we thank you for this awesome Bible study class that we had this morning. We thank you, Father, that Felicia is being obedient and answering the call, leading this class on Mondays. We thank you, Father, for restoring her communication so that she can continue to be a contributor on these calls. Her wisdom has been missed. Father, we continue to pray for her health and wellness, for her her household and her family. Father, we know that you are working mightily within her and that there is so much more in store for her as she continues to be obedient and patient and continues to seek you, Father. You will guide her to where it is that she needs to be and she will receive all that you have set aside for her. Father, we just continue to thank you for these calls and how they touch so many people, even the people who don't want to verbally contribute, but they still take the time to call in and to listen. And we pray that they hear something, Father, that touches them and helps them in their walk with you. Father, we thank you for your unconditional love, for your mercy, and for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, so that concludes our Bible study. Have a blessed and productive day, Miss Pam. You do the same, and anyone else who's still on the call. Amen. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.